Shavua Tov, Shalom Aleichem, to all of you listeners of this great station. This is Rabbi Elbaz from SLC. I'm going to be talking about the parasha we read yesterday, Parashat Behar. In general, whenever HaKadosh Baruch Hu speaks to Moshe Rabbeinu, it says, Vaydaber Adonai El Moshe Lemor. That's it. Hashem spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu, saying, in this parasha, though, it adds two words. Vaydaber Hashem El Moshe Behar Sinai Lemor. That Hashem is talking to Moshe Rabbeinu, Mount Sinai, it mentions the area of Mount Sinai. How come? Rashi Anavar Shalom, of course, he detected that. And he brought the Midrash. Reason why we have the word Behar Sinai is because this particular passage talks about Shemitah. I'm going to explain that in a minute. And the Mitzvah of Shemitah is written in the Torah with all its details. So, the Midrash said, just like this Mitzvah of Shemitah was detailed, then all the other Mitzvot also were detailed. In other words, it's not only this Mitzvah that was given us in detail, but just like this Mitzvah is in Sinai, and it was in all its details, then all the others also. All the other mitzvot were given in details. What is the mitzvah of Shemitah? Shemitah, of course, this mitzvah is only in Eretz Israel, not outside of Israel. Six years, the land should be worked on, and the seventh year, the land should be no work. That's it. should be foul. Just like a human being, for a Jew, six days he works, and the seventh day Shabbat no work. Same thing with the land. Now, then, then the, the, parash, the parasha goes through the details of this particular mitzvah. Now, what, what, is, what is really happening here? What, 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 where were the details given of any mitzvah? Normally, Moshe Rabbeinu, when he went up for 40 days and 40 nights, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him the mitzvot, which is the Sefer Torah, what we call Torah Shebikhtav, the mitzvot over there are very brief. They're not in detail. Where are the details? The details were given to Moshe Rabbeinu orally. Every mitzvah, Mitzvah Tefillin, Hashem explained to him everything orally what the Mitzvah Tefillin is about. Mitzvah of Sukkot, Basukot Eshvu Shivat Yamim. That's all he says in the Torah, nothing else. Very brief, just a summary, just the name of the Mitzvah, a few, a few words. It doesn't say in the Torah what a Sukkah is like, how many walls, what kind of a skach can be, should be, should be using. Uh, in all the details of that, you have to go to Masechet Sukkah. The Gemara is the oral law. Initially, Hashem gave Moshe Rabbeinu all the details of everything Mitzvah orally. Then, some 1700 years ago, the Hachamim sat down and said, look, 
We're going to keep this going orally. It's probably going to be forgotten. So let's sit down and write it on paper. That's when the Gemara came about. Now, the question comes like this. Why the Torah has selected this Mitzvah of Shemitah to be the yardstick, to be the one that's going to be in detail, and this therefore, just like this Mitzvah is in detail, all the others also have been detailed. Why select this particular Mitzvah? Why not uh, Tefillin? Why not Shabbat? Let the Torah select Shabbat, it will tell us all the details, all the Torinai Melachot, and this and that. No. The Torah selected the Mishnah of Shemitah. The answer to this question lies with the three principles described by a great sage of the 15th century, Rabbi Yosef Albo. Who was Rabbi Yosef Albo? First, let me explain give you a little background of the great Talmud Hakam. Rabbi Yusuf Albu, born in 1380, uh, he belongs to the most famous authors of the Spanish era. Yet, little is known about his personal life. He was born in a small town in Aragon in Spain. It was a Sephardic rabbi. He received a very fine Jewish education. He was a student of the great Jewish philosopher, Rabbi Hasdai Kreskas, and had a good knowledge of the best scholarly writings up to this time. Rabbi Yosef Albu was a gifted speaker. And he went around traveling from city to city, to encourage the Bnei Israel at the time not to, God forbid, give, give up their faith, give up their religion, and convert to Christianity. You recall at that time the Inquisition was very strong, and they had missionaries trying to somehow uh, force the Jews to become, to, to, to convert to uh, uh, to, to Christianity he somehow held them with their fiery speeches one of his great accomplishments was to be chosen as one of the few great Jewish scholars to go ahead and uh, act in that famous disputation to defend the Jewish religion at Tortosa, Spain, in 1413. His arguments were so clear, so effective. His opponents, by the way, those opponents were themselves Jewish converts, but they were defeated convincingly, and they themselves eventually lost their esteem by the church. <clears throat> After this famous disputation, <clears throat> Rabbi Yosef Albo wrote his famous book, Sefer Ha'ikarim, The Book of Principles, in which he details three essential principles that a Jew must believe in 
and live by. Every Jew must believe 100% in these three principles. One of them, Akadosh Baruch Hu exists, always existed, is eternal. This is very fundamental. Number two, Hashem controls the people down here on earth and gives pro proper reward and punishment. Hashem is not only upstairs in heaven with the Malachim, He's down here, controls everyone. And He gives, if one deserves reward, He gets it. Punishment, He gets it. That's number two. Number three, very important, now especially Shabbat is coming, Torah Mina Shamayim. Torah was given by Kadosh Baruch Hu on Sinai, gave it to Moshe Rabbeinu. Now, perhaps the reason why the, Shemi, the, the Mitzvah of Shemitah was selected as being the yardstick to be detailed in Torah, perhaps it's because it incorporates all those three principles. Let me explain each one of them. First one, Hashem exists. It says, Shabbat Lashem. That the land was going to be uh, uh, left unworked. Yeah? It'll be rest for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Meaning, it's for the sake of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, no one wants to leave his land fallow, unplanted for a whole year. Imagine, you are living in Eretz Israel. You have an apple orchard over there. You got a thousand trees, tens of thousands of apples, and you're sitting there, and everyone's coming with his, with a box or a basket, just picks the apples from the tree, puts them in his basket, and just goes away. That's it. You can't say a word. Obviously, the only reason we can do something like that is because we believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu, He is the one that gave us the command. Second one, reward and punishment. It says in Pirkei Avot, Galut ba'ala olam, that Galut comes because of non-observance of the Misva of Shemitah. There is a kind of punishment over here. It's telling us. If God forbid, the, the Bnei Yisrael do not heed this mitzvah and fulfill properly, God forbid, then you have galut, then you have exile. Not only that, but Rashi Allah Shalom, he points out and he goes through calculations that the 70 years of galut Babel, that was 70 years. He says it because of non-observance of Shemitah for the 490 years before that. 490 divided by 7 is 70. They did not fulfill properly the Mitzvah of Shemitah. And Rahmanat Slan, that can... That can uh, uh, precipitate the punishment of Galut. Nowadays, Baruch Hashem, there is there there, there are a couple of uh, 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 
the associations uh, that are very, very encouraging the people in Eretz Yisrael to keep the Mitzvah of Shemitah, even helping them financially if possible, because that is a great mitzvah. Finally, the third principle, Torah Mina Shamayim, that is very clear. Because if you notice, uh, the, the, the parasha states there that like, what if you say, the Tomar, if you say, how am I going to support myself on the seventh year? So the Torah says, don't worry. HaKadosh Baruch will give you a nice, nice uh, crop on the sixth year and you're going to have enough for the sixth, the seventh, and part of the eighth. Now, who can make a prediction like that? Even the Moshe Rebbe, he cannot make it. No, no human being can, but you can make a, 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 a promise. How, how would you know? Only HaKadosh Baruch can make such a promise. Torah Mina Shamayim. This is why perhaps this particular mitzvah was selected. It incorporates all the three principles. At the same time, Shemitah really reinforces emunah, faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's not so simple for someone who owns land. For six years he's got crop, you know, he deals sends this thing to the market, sells it, makes those business all of a sudden, the seventh year, nothing. That's not easy. But that is mehazik de emuna. The person that does it recognizes and realizes, yes, I'm doing this because HaKadosh Baruch Hu told me to do so. Shabbat, Lashem. Just like the Shabbat also, it says, Shabbat, Lashem. Now, there is an interesting twist to this. You know, it says in the Ten Commandments, Lo ta'ase kol melacha ata ubincha ubitecha You shall not do any kind of work. You, your son, your daughter, your servant, uh, even your animals. You're not supposed to use the animal to do work. Not, not to do work for you. What about the land? Now, obviously, when you have land, you're cultivated during the six years, you cannot stop the land from doing its work. The work of the land is what to make things grow. So, things grow during the week, and they grow on Shabbat. It's going to do the work anyway. No matter what, whether you like it or not, the work is going to be done. But in order to compensate for all those Shabbatot of the six years. Okay? That's why on the seventh year, you leave the land not working. Follow. No work. How? Well, the six years and the seventh, you have seven years, 52 Shabbatot each year. Seven times 52 is what? 364, that is pretty much a year, 364 days in the year. Rabotai, this Mitzvah of Shemitah is, again, 
is somewhat has some similarity with Shabbat. And the similarity is in the fact that it is not that it's not an expense. It is a lack of getting money, lack of income. Let me explain. Tefillin is a mezvah. But tefillin, you spend money. It does not cut into your income. Your income is there, but you spend money. Sukkot is a beautiful mitzvah. Let me cost you something. When it comes to Shabbat, six days you work, the seventh day you don't. That cuts into your income. It's not an expense. It comes, and that 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 really uh, somehow gets a person a little bit uh, shook up, like. It's one thing if I make money and I spend it. It's another when there is no money coming in. That's what happens on Shabbat and that's what happens on Shemitah. Six years you do business. The seventh year, no income coming. But again, that is the real pure test of faith from the person. And since we're talking about business, I would like to mention one uh, one Mishnah from Masechet Avot. As you know, now these weeks before, between Pesach and Shavuot, we study Mishnayot of Pirkei Avot. And now we are on the fourth parak. It said, Rabbi Meir Omer, listen carefully, Heveme ma'ed ba'esek va'asok batorah. He says, you know what? You're, in, you're dealing in business, right? Maybe you work 10 hours a day. He said, you know, maybe we might buy a And do a little bit less. And then instead of doing the business for 10 hours, leave a little bit, work for nine, and the hour go in the Torah. But it says the following. Wow. He says, if you actually are putting effort in studying the Torah, you have a lot of sakhar, a lot of reward. What does that mean? A lot of reward. You learn Torah, you have a misbah of learning Torah. You put on tefillin, you have a misbah of putting on tefillin. What's the idea behind, oh, when you learn Torah... You have a lot of sakhar, a lot of reward. Why is this one any more reward than others? What's the idea behind a lot of reward? I saw once an interesting chat over here. Give you an analogy about a salesman. A salesman who lives in in New York, and he's working for a company, and they're sending him to California in order to sell a certain product. So he has an appointment in the morning with a company, another appointment in the afternoon for another company. Two appointments. Now, what's happening now? This salesman, he has to spend almost a whole day just to get there. Then he has to sit, he has to be in a hotel. He has to eat. And coming back, 
again, he has to stay maybe a whole day for traveling until he finally gets back to, the, to, the, to New York. Now, his boss has to pay him for all these expenses, traveling, food, a hotel, all three days because of what? Of perhaps an hour in the morning, an hour in the afternoon. For two hours, he has to get paid for all that. You see, the, the idea behind this is, yes, his, his boss is willing to do all that. Because of why? Because he is going there, he's doing something. He's doing something for the business. If not for those two hours, then the boss will give him nothing. That's the same thing when you're learning Torah. You go to business, fine. You're spending eight hours in your business. But then you spend two hours learning Torah. As if the entire day you're doing something holy. But if those two hours aren't there, you get absolutely nothing. That's the idea behind it. When you do learn, then HaKadosh Baruch gives you Sakhar for everything. After all, you have to make Parnassah too. But the interesting part is, look at the wording that Rabbi Meir says, It doesn't say, and Torah, learn. Said, no. Be engaged like a business thing in the Torah. What's the idea behind it? Very interesting. You look into this, you see the following. When you are in business, right? You have to go to, let's say, the day on Monday, you got to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning, you have to be there. You leave your house at 7, you go to Manhattan. Now, if it's raining or it's snowing or it's very cold or very hot, do you go or do you say, no, it's cold, I can't go today? No, no, no business today. Of course not. You go. Well, same thing with the Torah. Same thing. If it's raining, if it's cold, if it's snowing, or what have you. you can't, don't say, well, it's, oh, I can't go today. No. Like, a, like, treat it like you treat your business. Another thing. You have to go to work, and let's say eh, you have some sniffles a little bit, maybe a little cough or a, a mild cold, a little bit of headache. You, take, you just take an aspirin, it'll be okay. Do you go to work or not? Of course you do. You will. But the same thing when it comes to Torah. You have a Shi'or Torah. Every day you go there. You have a Daf Yomi, go. You have a tiny cold or, or a little sniffle or, or, or whatever, you sneeze, go anyway. Make it like Asok Torah. Or, oh, business starts... Eight o'clock, I have to leave seven. Well, that's too early for me. I don't want, no, no, that's too early. I'm not going to go. No, no way. If it was five o'clock in the morning, you would, you would jump and go. Same thing. When it comes to going to the synagogue in the morning, Asuk, treat it like your business. Go. Early or late, early minion, 
late minion, whatever, whatever is convenient. Treat it like if it was your own business. And then, you will see results. You will see that after a while, as you're learning and learning, that you will become a learner. You'll become a Tamid Hacham. If we follow the advice of Rabbi Meir, all of us, we all will be scholars. And that will be the day when our Mashiach Sitkana will come quickly. I just want to remind you uh, that this station is very important to the community, very beneficial to the community. Please try to do your best to contribute and help it stay. And if you have any simha, you can always contact us at SLC. We have a beautiful simha hall that you can use for any kind of a uh, happy occasion. Mitzvah, Brit Milam, wedding, what have you. Shavuot Tov. And as Shavuot is coming, wish you from now happy Shavuot.